0: Hello, and welcome to The Library Coven, a bi-weekly podcast in which two bookish besties discuss mostly why fantasy through the lens of intersectional feminist criticism. Why? Because critique is our fangirl love language, and because talking about books is pretty magical. I'm Jessie.
1: And I'm Kelly. And in this episode, 40, we are talking about Wicked Fox by Kat Cho, an urban fantasy set in Seoul and inspired by Korean folklore. Myung is half Gumiho, a supernatural nine-tailed fox spirit, and half human, and she's lost her Yowogusul, which is a fox bead, which is like kind of the source of her power, slash her soul, slash if someone else has it, they can control a Gumiho, so not good. Myung saves Jihoon from a Dokabi, which is a demon, and then they meet in school, and shit goes down.
0: Yes. <laughs> um this episode is out on november 3rd and you have if you haven't already uh, be sure to cast your ballot today your vote matters go vote
1: and then make sure you know
0: who your people are so that you can take care of each other no
1: matter what happens (laughs) such a downer i'm just being (laughs) realistic
0: that okay. we have to, like, right.
1: we need a plan. Get your people. Um, join the Covenant Discord. We're trying to build some closer bookish community off of super corporate surveillance social media platforms. So um, come join us. You can do that by becoming a patron on our Patreon. We changed our support structure so it's pay what you can, $1 a month or more. And if that is... Not financially viable then hit us up and we will give you access anyway so yeah
0: initial reactions it took me a bit of time to get into this book but once I did get into it I really enjoyed it I liked the characters it was super cool to see the book take place in South Korea and the magical system was fascinating I switched back and forth between the audiobook and the physical book which was really helpful for pronunciations for me um so, yeah, that was really cool to, like, get to hear how things are supposed to be said instead of how they sound in my head. <laughs> totally. What about you? The beautiful cover art and
1: intriguing premise hooked me at the beginning, and then the short chapters and well-crafted characters slash their relationships, like the tension that was created, the emotional tension, is what kept me reading. Um, there's, I would say that there's a lot to love about this book and how five ever...
0: time to talk about world building in through the wardrobe this book takes place in South Korea in our modern time and it's the first time I've read a book that takes place there um what about you Same.
1: also first for me first time reading a book that takes place in South Korea in general I think and then also which is like wild to realize wow Mm -hmm. and then also first time reading um like urban fantasy Based on Korean no, you've read urban folklore. Oh, okay,
0: I was like, you've read urban fantasy. No. We've read it for the podcast. <laughs> no, I know, but I
1: mean, <laughs> like specifically based on Korean folklore. So it's like a lot of new in the world building for me. So much so that I realized as I first started the book that like I did not have enough knowledge about Korean culture or politics or geography and language or I don't know to like really imagine what was going on in the world effectively just like realizing my own shortcomings in my education and so in preparation mm-hmm. for recording alongside reading the novel I've been watching uh, a class which is a k-drama on Netflix and I am love love loving it I'm just getting started in the genre but it's like cool to see the some of the conventions and be able to like I know what Namsan Tower looks like and I know that it's like a date spot and the there's this one scene where Jihoon is take is has what's her name Young on his back and is like giving her a piggyback ride and carrying her up these steep streets and there is like a scene by scene exactly the same thing in this uh, K-drama early on in one of the episodes between some two main characters and it's like it was just so helpful for me to immerse myself and be able to like actually imagine the world by doing some homework so I'm really happy I did that and it it made my reading experience better honestly and I found another new show and I'm learning Korean
0: oh that's really cool yeah Korean's like a very popular link I think (laughs) k-dramas and k-pop are super popular right now um so I do see a lot of people on like on the interwebs learning Korean and watching shows in Korean and listening to music that's in Korean so it's it's very interesting to see how like how that comes about um there's a pretty good episode of netflix explained about k-pop so good although i would like to point out that they did leave out some like very important information about cultural appropriation Mm -hmm. but (laughs) um it was pretty interesting to learn about like um kind of almost like One Direction, like how the bands are kind of like formed by like these corporate entities sometimes. Um, And that was really interesting because I didn't know that, which is also the case for One Direction, who was like formed by Simon Cowell. So maybe it's just a boy band thing. Like maybe that's just a thing. I don't know. I don't have a lot about the world building because it's in our present time. So they have cell phones and like they're watching TV and like not the things we normally see in books like an ember in the ashes right? Um, <laughs> but more like L.L. Um, L. McKinney so like we get like our normal normal our our present time just with magic knit which is which is always fun mm-hmm. I think um,
1: and you get some like high school drama
0: yeah Yeah. And when the, we don't have that whole thing where like people can't reach each other because like you need like some person to take a letter 10 miles away on foot. (laughs) Like there aren't those like communication errors because like there's no, you know, because they have cell phones in this world or whatever. Yeah, People just aren't answering them.
1: (laughs) They're just not calling or texting each other back, leaving each other on red.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's not a thing. I'm like on Androids, but okay. (laughs) wands out let's discuss all things magic so as you mentioned at the beginning of the episode Myung young is half gummy ho um half human and that's probably one of the bigger bits of magic um, because that is a mythical ni- nine-tailed fox and she's kind of like a vampire who devours the energy of men so that she can live forever or gummy ho do in general um although it seems like maybe they can't like they don't like i don't know that they can really only take men's energy because at the end she takes halomis to give it to jihoon um but i thought that was interesting because like which we'll talk about in gender it was like very like succubus <laughs> like depiction yes yes
1: it very much was um that's something that really caught my eye is like how gendered the magical system is from the start um just it's like gendered and like the sexuality is also in a like it's very hetero in a specific way and it's just like understanding that that is how the magical system is like how the people are understanding it the people who are in the story right and then Mm -hmm. mi young is realizing that maybe what she's heard isn't necessarily true and she can do things with the ghee of other people and doesn't necessarily have to devour ghee. can like siphon it and be like a bridge between it and move it around Mm -hmm. so i think that that was also part of the realizing that the like maybe the parameters that we had set on the magical system like aren't actually parameters they're just limitations that we put on ourselves
0: yeah like limitations of like your capacity to think outside the box yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah um Myung has also lost her yao gusul which is the bead where her soul resides and maybe also the source of her power i wasn't like 100 percent sure about that but jihoon kind of like I don't know why she lost it. I guess it's something that that shaman did. I, I'm, I was kind of confused about, like, why it came out of her. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. I don't I know why ge- her bead came out. Okay, it sounds okay. like a little cal- explicit,
1: but we were not going to get into it.
0: <laughs> yeah, we had a whole discussion before the episode started, and now that's all I can think about, but yeah, I don't actually... I don't 100% understand, like, why she lost her bead. And then Jihoon touches it, and then they're, like, connected in some way. Um, I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> it's so intimate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, and then, yeah. So, anyways, she lost it, and she needs to figure out how to put it back. And the shaman are, like, kind of, like, sketchy. Like, you think that they're helping, but then it turns out, like, they got have this, like, vendetta up against um Miyoung's mom for like killing the shaman's family. So it, it it is a lot of drama going on and a lot of like moving parts.
1: Dokebi, shamans, gumiho, bujak's rituals in the forest on a full moon. There's so much magic in this book. Just so rich and expansive like you said at the beginning.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also interesting because um I think kind of like what we talked about like young kind of realizing that maybe she doesn't only have to siphon the 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 souls of men or the energy from men like we learned that like the dokebi don't always have to be like these ugly like goblins or whatever cuz Yu is like really hot <laughs> 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 um so We also see, like, the world expanding in the minds of, like, our characters, like, a shift in their way of thinking about how certain things work or, um, like, the myths they believed changing as we read, like, as we learn. So we kind of learn about some of it with them, which might have been a way to, like, expose an American audience to, like, the South Korean mythology. Um, Right. Sorry, to this Korean mythology, um, which is, like, kind of a cool way to do that because, you know, I understand that the author... Kat Cho has to like write for um like she wants an American audience she probably wants like all kinds of audiences and knows that like Americans might have less experience with Korean folklore so I really I appreciated that as someone who was not as familiar absolutely now we're going to talk about conflict villains and good versus evil in our segment get me Kylo Ren detective hey like it's always the dads they're just the worst <laughs> it's always like, the, dad. the absolute worst Ugh. don't trust a dad <laughs> <laughs> i mean maybe you can trust your own dad but like don't trust other dads it dads is. are gross i
1: found uh, sammy shulk professor dr sammy shulk put the, tweeted the like something so relatable she's like there are people who have relationships with their parents that are just like productive and generative and i'm like that's not what we saw here no or in my real life <laughs> <laughs> did i so did i read the story did i read something wrong or did detective hay really try <laughs> to drown his one-year-old daughter during the blowout fight with yena
0: um you read that exactly correctly that was so shocking to me you know it's um, uh, yeah Ugh. Ugh. yeah detective
1: hay it's always the dad's
0: Yeah. I was also kind of surprised because he seemed like a genuinely nice guy like coming in and checking up on um Jihoon like every day in the hospital and being his like person of contact while he's in the hospital because um Jihoon's mom also sucks. Um yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> moms are also the worst. <laughs> um so yeah, I I was really surprised. I don't know about you. I did not see that one coming. It was surprising to me. It also
1: felt a tad bit forced, just like convenient cuz mm-hmm. like this is the only unexplained. Like I guess I'm also I should have seen it coming. I'm I'm having one of those moments where it's like, "Oh, yeah. of course he's the only like other fleshed out adult character." Mm-hmm. Like of course it was going to he was going to be involved in the conflict in some way. Um yeah,
0: I didn't think he'd be involved in this way. No. I thought he was just playing, you know how sometimes they have like those clueless cops and like um in fantasy stuff who are like trying to figure things out but they can't because they don't believe in magic or whatever I just thought he was going to be one of those
1: Mm -hmm. but turns out he's a lot more sinister than that and was working with a shaman maybe or started working with them at the end and um it yeah he really he cares about Jihoon I think the point that you said like he seemed nice Mm -hmm. and it's it's just like a reminder that yeah lots of people who do bad shit can seem nice but we gotta like keep in, in mind like who are they nice to yeah. and why and like in what contexts right so he's being nice to Jihoon who's a boy who's full human so it's like his prejudices against like other beings are coming into it his mm-hmm. baggage with like Yena you know mm-hmm. his ex-partner is coming into it and then he's drawing children into it like just ugh, villain all around no thank you
0: yeah yeah, I think people say Ted Bundy was, like, a really nice guy, so always watch out for nice people They can't trust
1: them. <laughs> <laughs> we also have some classic revenge trope stuff going on. Uh, Shaman Kim wants revenge for her daughter that Yena killed on accident, we find out at the end. So that's another one of those things is, these, like, another one of the aspect I think, of the conflict like the motors of what generates conflict in this novel is the intergenerational conflict that the um, younger generation is caught up in Uh, like knowingly but also they come to like they reach a certain point where they're they realize both Nara who is the shaman friend that is helping me young but also like kind of betrayed me young but then like helps Mm -hmm. her again um, she's also realizing that like she doesn't necessarily want to deal with the baggage the way that her grandmother has been dealing with it. me Young has a similar realization. Um, yeah, it's just an interesting parallel, I guess,
0: yeah, and I think we actually see this kind of often in like um fantasy stories where people kind of take on like we we see it either one of two ways, like people kind of take on those prejudices and like take up the mantle of their parents, kind of like in star wars um new star wars you know with like kylo ren and stuff it's also right. happening
1: in my K drama, it's one class
0: oh see or we see people like really push back against like what their parents have been doing like we kind of see in like um like cassandra clare novels like people trying to do like the opposite of like the bad shit their parents did so i mean i guess those are the only two options <laughs> doesn't it feel like reacting either way though I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it does kind of, but it makes sense because, like, your parents are so, like, formative to who you are. Like, of course, you're reacting to, like, their beliefs and what right. their actions because, like, there's no way to escape them if they're around, you mm. know. And even if they aren't around, you kind of see that with um, Jihoon where he wants to be, like, better than his mom because his mom's not around and he really doesn't like that. Right. Um, and even though she's
1: not around, she still, like, has an effect, on, like, an impact yeah. and a presence on the way he lives his life so it's just I guess something to consider
0: we cannot escape our parents because they literally created us and so we always are trying to be better than them I think or if we like look up to our parents we're trying to be as good as them Mm -hmm. in the case of Kylo Ren (laughs) (laughs) trying to be as good as his grandfather you know it's a real shit show doesn't work out so well (laughs) lots of baggage comes along with it lots of trauma Mm mm-hmm
1: another thing that i thought was a through line in this villain vein is the perception of betrayal whether it's like real or like lying by a mission it causes a lot of the con- causes other conflicts too like yena's betrayal by her family when they find out who she is um or uh jihun finding out that it's me who is responsible for his how being in the hospital, even though she also saved his like fucking life. Thanks for being grateful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think he preferred that his grandmother had lived than he had lived and like it's survivor's guilt. Yeah. Classic survivor's guilt. You're right. Yeah. Wow. You're coming down real hard on Jihoon. I don't appreciate it.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just giving that as an example. It's mm-hmm, not the only mm-hmm.
0: example. Um no and but the, I I agree.
1: And the like the fact that me Young is conditioned to expect betrayal
0: from men too,
1: you know. So anyway, I think just like there's a lot there about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense though because like both we see it with both Ji Hoon and Mi Young where like their parents have let them down in the case of me young she thinks it's her dad but also she's trying to live up to these standards of her mom and Hoon it's his mom who has let him down and i guess his dad also to an extent we don't really like we don't meet him mm-hmm. um but like they've been let down a lot so it makes sense that they're always like concerned that people don't have their best interests at heart because the people who should have had their best interests at heart don't <laughs> you just came
1: through with like an incisive
0: analysis thanks thank you thank you <laughs>
1: Onward, magical friends. Just as one does not simply walk into Mordor, one does not simply read fantasy without talking about representations of race, class, gender, and ability. This is our segment about power and
0: bodies and how they relate. Let's start with race, as we do. As we do. Um. So all the characters we meet in the story are from South Korea. So we don't really have like a lot of like differentiation going on there. Mm-hmm at least not that i noticed right but we do get um i think some like beauty standard things going on so at one point in the story there are like these mean girls at the school um and hana asked Young like who did her surgery so we get a mention of like a double eyelid surgery in the story so i think like we kind of see like confront like a a confronting of like these beauty standards like outside of u.s beauty standards well actually i guess they're very eurocentric beauty standards is like what we're seeing so this probably could have gone in like colonization as well
1: Mm -hmm. Um, yeah for sure
0: but i was interesting to see that and like um see these different like social like it, it wouldn't have been unusual for someone so young to have had surgery um so i think that's like really talking to like eurocentric beauty standards and how they're opposed on um on how they're like put onto other cultures, which I found really interesting even in like a side mention, but I really like that. We got it from like a mean girl, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Just showing what the sort of like societal expectations are.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I'll see if I can try and find it since I'm editing this episode, but there was a, a podcast I listened to kind of a while ago. It might've been a quote switch episode, but just about like s- surgery in, like um, facial surgery in South Korea yeah Um, so it could be really interesting to listen to if I can find it totally
1: (laughs) that uh, this actually comes up with one of the um women protagonists in the k-drama I'm watching too she you know is just trying to say trying to get away with having a fake idea and she's like I got it before I didn't got my nose filled in oh (laughs) and so
0: just like but knowing that that's like a
1: cultural touchstone yeah um yeah I'll definitely if you find that I'm definitely gonna check it out
0: yeah but also interesting because like I I don't know that we should necessarily like, I don't know that we should necessarily like give people shit for getting surgery. If that's something they want to do, which I don't think that we're doing. No, no. I'm just saying like, it shouldn't feel like you have to, to fit some, you know, beauty standard or whatever. But like, I know Kaylee Cuoco from big bang theory. She got like her boobs done and she like people give her shit for it, but she's like, I'm really glad I did it. Like, I feel better about how I look. And I'm just like, if that's what you want to do, you should also just like be allowed to do that mm-hmm. <laughs> without people like being shitty about it. Yeah. Yeah. Ready to talk about class? I am indeed. Um, We really see a class distinction between Jihoon and Myeong and then Hoon and his his mom. So like Hoon is not wealthy. He is, his grandmother does own a restaurant, which is like, I mean, I don't like, I don't know how... So like working class, I guess. And I don't know how like the economic system works in South Korea. So maybe something I'll look into and put in the show notes. Um, but like when he's at, um, me young's or maybe at his mom's house, he talks about like how his whole apartment would fit in like their living room or whatever. Um, so we, uh, we always seeing like these class distinctions with Jihoon and like his mom is like trying to give him her like new husband's old coat or whatever. And he's like, no, thank you. Like, I don't want your like garbage, you know? Right. um So we see a lot of class coming in, like in that sense, mostly centered around Jihoon and like his friend, Che Wong is like really rich. <laughs> like his, he has a driver come picking him up from school and that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. In that same, along that same line, the, about a little more than halfway through the book, we after Halmaione is in a coma in the hospital. Um, so mean comes in with some truth and is saying, is talking about how the landlord is trying to pull shit and kick um Ji out while his Halmaione is in the hospital. So we have some like predatory landlord dynamics again. Fuck that. And I, th- I mean, we're still obviously in the capitalist system, that's the context. Um, and I like how you pointed out this disparity and the like big dichotomy between Jihoon and mi and then also Jihoon and his mom, because there's a passage on page 331 that I'd like to read to you and get your take on because I'm not quite sure if wealth inequity is being romanticized in this moment. And it just like seems to go with this other things that we're talking about. So Jihoon's basically taking in a landscape at the base of Namsan Tower. Um, walking to the fence, Jihoon had to admit the view was stellar. As the sun approached the horizon, it gave the city a glow. He could see the patterns of Seoul from up here, where the old tile roofs of the hanoks merged with the newer metal and concrete of the city. Such a contrasting mess to see the old homes that boasted underfloor, coal heating, and rice paper walls next to the most modern of skyscrapers. But in this city, the dichotomy worked. In this city, the dichotomy thrived. It seemed that sometimes opposites did find a balance.
0: Yeah, I think that could be like taken. Like, either way, like, I think that could be read two ways. And one, I think it could be looking at, like, the wealth disparities. But it kind of depends on, like, what Jihoon means by, like, the dichotomy there. Because maybe what he, like, when I read that, I read it as, like, the old and the new. As opposed to, like, the, like, rich and the poor. But it kind of also depends, like, is it, like, it kind of depends, like, on, like, if that is a signal of like wealth disparity but I read it as like the old city like the houses that had been there before like the skyscrapers and that sort of thing and then like the new like flashy fancy skyscrapers or whatever okay um but so I don't know if it's like an architectural thing or if it's like a wealth thing yeah I think it yeah thank you for your for your insight yeah for your take on it there was a show I watched and I'll have to, I don't remember that. I think it's called like fabulous houses or something, but they were in, I think in Japan and they had like very like traditional Japanese houses and stuff like that. They went to see like in a farming village or a fishing village. And I'll have to find the episode because it was really cool. Cause I think like the architecture is so different mm-hmm. than like what we're used to in like the United States. Um, which is like very eurocentric um yeah. I will have to find that episode because it was really cool to see like how like the different parts of the house moved like walls and stuff mm-hmm. and like how the windows were different so obviously japan is not korea but right um but it I does mention share and, some similar architecture
1: yeah and it mentions the rice paper walls and thank you for mm-hmm. pointing that out because it's like i think i was conflating you know old with poor which isn't necessarily true right like some of the building materials just because they're not concrete and glass doesn't
0: mean that they're Mm -hmm. like low quality Mm -hmm. you know so thank you you're welcome um but I also see what you mean like I think we see that sometimes in like in that same show they were talking about houses in England and how like some of them still have like thatch roofs well and to me that seems like why would you do that like Like, it also seems like maybe, like, because you can't afford, like, a different type of roofing or whatever, but I also think it's, like, a way to preserve history. Totally. And, like, it can be very efficient. It's also, like, super expensive to keep up because you actually have to replace that a lot. Yeah. So, like, having those old things also could be a sign of wealth.
1: Mm, Yes. Thank you. Ah, that's why I love talking to you. (laughs) I learned so much. Want to talk about gender a little bit more?
0: Yeah. So I think we've mentioned this a couple of times now that the Gumiho are only women, or at least that's what we've seen so far. I'm kind of wondering if that might, like as we see the mythology change, that might also change. Um, and they are seen as enchanting and like overtly sexual and like they're sexual. We see them, like, I think they're portrayed as sexual, but like, I think they're actually being like sexualized. Right. Um, and we see that like with uh, Mee Young and like, gross dudes like bothering her and stuff and i was just like Mm -hmm. no thank you
1: which i think there's also a lot to say and i'm not very knowledgeable about the subject but about like the sexualization of teenage like girls with asian
0: features Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: um yeah i don't i don't know it it does seem to be like a hmm, it seems like this is playing around with both of those right because there's the K-dra- there's the gumiho folklore aspect right which is the succubus essentially mm-hmm. that you mentioned earlier um also like a mermaid you know this like siren fatalistic female mm-hmm. character that like lures men and then thus needs to like needs to kill to survive um, i wasn't really feeling mi young's like guilt about needing to kill bad predatory dudes but like whatever i knew like i get that it has to be there narratively for the character yeah. development and stuff like that just like i don't know if i would feel that way um i would not well we all know that <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay
1: um just saying i'm just saying it like it is <laughs> you are 100 percent right yeah go on <laughs> um i don't really know what else i was saying just that there's like a and also with like the Uh, k-drama high school like aesthetic that trope you know so it's like they're both in high school you know it's like and then she's quite literally like a sexualized fox demon woman
0: yeah yeah and yeah like the school aspect like aesthetic feeds into that because like yes i do think like and she's wearing a uniform right yes you know (laughs) thank you and i don't think that is just specific to like um asian women although i do think we see it a lot with that but i think like you see it in like pornography and stuff like a lot of like and they are obviously not children but yeah. like miyoung is a child so mm-hmm. like to see her sexualized is not good yeah it's <laughs> upsetting mm-hmm. uh, yeah um uh, but i do think we see that like school girl or catholic school girl yes, yes, that would you. be the american version of that um, right totally where they're like very sexualized and i don't know what that is about and um I'm not really sure I want to know. (laughs) I don't want to be able to understand, Uh, but it's probably something about being youthful and young and men are gross. So they are like into it. (laughs) There's my hot take. (laughs) Um,
1: I don't know if I'm going to go like full kink shaming uh,
0: in my answer. (laughs) i'm just saying it's children yeah yeah i will shame that so yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. no no regrets (laughs) um yeah but the sexualization of children is just like not okay uh and i think we kind of see like me young dealing with this and um yeah yeah there's a whole
1: go ahead i was gonna say there's a pretty relevant conversation happening with the Netflix, a film on Netflix called cuties talking about the mm-hmm. sexualization of um, black girls in France. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen the film, but um, we can, we'll include some info about it and, and some of the, con- like the whole controversy that's going on. So
0: are you ready to talk ability, body minds, etc.?
1: Let's do it. Losing her yeowu gusul causes chronic body mind issues for miyang she's cold she's hungry and fatigued all the time um anything else
0: and and she sees ghosts now oh yeah that's true
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's a fun that's a fun twist
0: which we learn is like maybe like the crux of her problem in the beginning maybe like um had caused some like mental health issues like as a young child is that she weirdly could see these ghosts, but like her mom can't. So like maybe this is a oh, well, I don't know how I feel about this now that I'm saying it out loud, but like maybe a burden of her being like two different things or like mm-hmm. mixed races. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. So <laughs> it,
1: it to me more seems like a a function of that like parental gaslighting like we saw with Malik in episode thirty nine.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm from a song of wing wraiths and ruin not wings and ruin
0: yeah. <laughs> A song of wraiths and ruin
1: akawar either way asowar not akawar As-o-ar. god damn it <laughs> anyway that's not what we're talking about um but so yeah the the we see like chronic illness and pain being dealt with. And then also having on the other side, having the Yeowu Gusul has severe repercussions for Jihoon's body mind. He has Mm -hmm. seizures and it seems like fainting spells and he's in and out of the hospital. And at one point the doctor's like, we don't know what's going on. Should we consider surgery? And I was like, are you fucking kidding? No,
0: (laughs) um, no,
1: (laughs) but, Anyway, I just, I appreciated how that this was treated with um, a lot of detail.
0: Yeah. And migraines. That's the other thing that Hoon has going on. That's migraines.
1: right. That's right.
0: Although I guess the surgery could make sense in the fact that I think surgery is often can be very helpful for people with really bad seizures. Hmm. But so, when they don't know what's going on. Yeah. I don't actually think they often know what's going on with seizures.
1: That's true. <laughs> that's a good point. It is called practicing medicine after all.
0: Yeah. Practicing. Um, mm -hmm. It's hard. Bodies are hard. They really are. (laughs) As we know. Um, Yeah. But he is like in and out of the hospital. And we also see this, I guess this could have gone in class, like his bills like kind of piling up because of it. Yeah, I don't know what the health system is like in South Korea. So another thing to put into the show notes. Um, I don't, yeah, I just don't know how that works. Um, money wise neither so, do I it sounds like m- maybe similar to us where y- like you got to pay for that shit and it's expensive <laughs> <laughs> on page 416 there's this scene it's a, that's
1: so that's like three pages before the end um there's a scene with Miyoung young and so mean where the latter is asking questions about what it's like to be a gumiho and I just love this quote and it really stuck with me it says Oddly enough, Miyoung liked likes so means blunt curiosity. In a way, it made her think of her Gumiho state differently. Not as a monster, but as another being trying to figure out how to exist in the world. And I just thought that was a good way of, like, encapsulating, you know, how we maybe monsterize. I just made a verb. Um, <laughs> certain things that make us different. And mm-hmm. it's just different
0: yeah well and it kind of talks it like kind of looks at how like people can be scared to ask questions sometimes which I think is what um, yeah. young has like experienced in the past and like just so men being like what is this like is kind of validating to be like well I'm different but that doesn't make me any less of a of a person you know yeah um, and sometimes people just appreciate being asked straight up like what does this mean for you
1: Right. And then it, and so means actually like asking from a place of curiosity and just wanting to understand, not wanting to judge or not like wanting to fix or not. So these are some of those like listening filters that we can sometimes have on. And I will put some, we can, I'll send some info for the show notes. Perfect. And Myung like quote unquote loses her abilities, her supernatural strength and speed and smell and abilities, um, and is full human at the end. At least that's what we're led to believe. And then there's a cliffhanger. So who knows what's going on?
0: Wait, there was a cliffhanger? Wasn't there like
1: she had some like scary dream. And so maybe oh. she's not safe and her bead is something's happening to it. That was oh. abrupt at the end. And I don't really,
0: I don't know. There is another book. So <laughs> so
1: there's going to be a cliffhanger because other things are happening in the next book.
0: Yeah. I don't even remember what the next book is called. Let me just look it up real fast so it can be in this show. The next book is called vicious spirits i actually didn't think about this like is me is is jihoon gonna go like live with his mom now oh i don't no? know yeah they did kind of have like a
1: moment there at the end
0: yeah well and i'm also wondering because like his Halomi Halomi is dead and like where will he live now you know maybe he'll take over the restaurant that would be cool and I would love to see that and that this <laughs> is gonna be
1: even more like a Taiwan class because the main <laughs> character is like all about owning his own restaurant and avenging his father and anyway <laughs>
0: I could go on and on and on oh my gosh so funny and I think the next book is already out oh oh yeah it just came out in August so oh nice yay Vicious Spirits, out now, wherever you get your books. <laughs> Finally, it's time for Shipwrecked, a segment about asexuality, sexuality, sex, romance, and relationships, and sometimes we take liberties and do some shipping of our own. Okay, what are your thoughts about the Jihoon-Miyoung ship? I like it okay, but I also kind of want Miyoung to explore all her options, because Jihoon is like the first dude that's like ever been like really nice to her and she didn't feel like she needed to murder him so
1: <laughs> agreed on both points I think so mean's cool there's someone's cool and the that might be an option and also Mi Young is yeah the first person to literally show interest and not be like running away from her it's like you don't necessarily have to go with that option
0: yeah yeah,
1: but I thought that th- I, I appreciate I liked how the um, romantic tension was crafted. I thought that that was really good. And that's another one of these things that I'm learning about, like the K-drama genre is that it's a lot about like this pining and the small mm. uh, like, I don't know, they can just like m- charge so much emotional content into this like pining scene. It's incredible. Like, so I was noticing that happening. Like I could, I could sense that like there's. Um, yeah, that it's like taking, getting inspired by that, by that genre. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought that the scenes between them were cute and like super um, innocent and sweet. And uh, except for the whole like killing his grandma part on accident.
0: Although, I mean, he was, I mean, she was trying to, like, save his life, so. I think I kind of just want them to be friends, maybe. Mm hmm. I like their friendship, like, while they're getting to know each other, I think better than them being, like, together. So I don't know. Fair. What about, about Che Wong and Jin, Jun. Junu? Che Wong and Junu. Yu. Junu? Junu? It's hard because I'm, like, listening to it and I'm, like, trying to repronounce them, but it's, like, unfamiliar to me so i'm like am i saying this right you know <laughs> yeah
1: yeah
0: i kind of have like a feeling about the two of them but i'm also like i don't know maybe they're just friends you know and i'm like reading too much into it <laughs>
1: <laughs> the tandem bike scene see there's so much emotional content in that one scene you see what oh i mean oh my gosh. oh my <laughs> god
0: well it's hard coach wong is like really like he seems like so enamored with john Yu, like with his car and like his fancy stuff and they're both like rich fancy boys so I'm like y'all should be together <laughs> yeah I <think."> you deserve <laughs> each other have fun yeah yeah um so I'm kind of like want them to be together I don't know I'm tentatively on this
1: ship I like it
0: okay okay how and Jihoon just like
1: all the heart emojis I really love a grandparent grandchild relationship in books and IRL I think they're just very special Now we're going to talk about writing style, narration, characterization,
0: plot structure, and basically whatever else comes to mind in a segment called Kill Your Darlings. I think I say this every time we read something that's in third person, but it always takes me longer to get into the story. I think I just prefer first person, but, like, when I started reading this, I was just like, oh, no. (laughs) And I don't think it, like, it takes me a minute to realize that the fact that I feel that way is because, like, third person sounds so stilted to me now because I read so much in first person not just YA books but like other books as well um that I'm always just like why are you doing this to me it feels wrong (laughs) (laughs) um so I'm just like never prepared for a third person especially YA novel I'm just like why (laughs) yeah it seemed like it was
1: a little bit of a like trying to bridge the gap between first person POVs and third person, but like focalized on different characters and different chapters. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a little bit harder, I think as a reader to like understand how the narrator has access to all of that. It's kind of like a quasi omniscient narrator um, rather than like, this is coming from my mind and it's being narrated from my perspective. It's like a third person focalization on the inside
0: yeah. And I'm not actually sure. I don't think that each chapter like headed it up with like whose no. chapter we were going to be in, which always made me, you know, like I, I could obviously tell with no problem, um, both with the audiobook and with um, the physical book. But I always am just like, wait, who is this? Again? You know, like for a second, I'm just like, it just takes me longer to get into it, I think, because you're just like not in the mind of the character. Yeah, In the same way.
1: So the chapters are numbered, and then almost every single one, almost every single chapter begins with either Miyoung or Jihoon's name. So like that kind of signposting. Mm-hmm. And then there's Mee-young and Jihoon on some of these. So it's yeah, just a different way to do it. But yeah, you have your preferences.
0: But I'll be ready for the next book now because I know. And now that I say it, I don't actually know if Crooked Kingdom is like is that first person i can't remember um but that's like such a huge cast of characters <laughs> i think it's first person i think it's just a bunch I think it's of different person
1: i think it might be third person with a bunch of different like third person interior focalizations what the like, yeah, yeah. literary nerds would call it but whatever mm-hmm. i found the folklore interludes immersive you know there's like kind of a paratext <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're distinguished by form which i thought was like helpful as a reader you know that they're in italics they're the gray pages with the moon illustration and similar to dreams it's like a a great narrative tactic to give the audience some more information outside of the quote-unquote bounds of straightforward sequential plot narration so i like these sorts of things same with yeah like dream sequence
0: or something i would say i I liked it when i was reading the physical book and the audio book. it wasn't distinguished very well Mm, that would be hard yeah. Because there wasn't like a change in the narrator's voice or like there was nothing to like. Or like signal a musical that background happening.
1: maybe. You could do like a low grade
0: mm-hmm.
1: song behind it or something.
0: Yeah. So when I was listening because I had art- I had started with the physical book and was like going back and forth I had seen those in the in the physical book. So that was helpful. But like when I switched to the audiobook, like if I hadn't started with the physical book i think that would have been like very jarring because there's nothing to signal that that's happening and it just like kind of starts at the end of another chapter and because the chap like there's no chapter numbers for those either or anything so it's like it was very confusing for the audiobook so i wish that had been done differently for that medium
1: i love that you make this point because it's making me think about like oh what are the different ways that you could like really enhance audiobook storytelling Mm mm-hmm um
0: and like me personally I don't really like music to be in the audiobook like or any of the like other addition additions to it like um, series of unfortunate events for example has like they're at the beach so you can like hear waves and seagulls and stuff and I find that's kind of thing to be kind of distracting but maybe if there was something like to head up these chapters like even like a new chapter number or something since it comes at the end of another chapter it's like just very confusing mm-hmm.
1: yeah there's definitely I think we just like there's audio drama and audio fiction are doing so many cool things in like the podcast world at the moment that Mm -hmm. it just I don't know it seems like there's so much possibility there I guess to actually mess around with the audiobook form
0: Mm -hmm. and of course I don't think this is like obviously this is no fault of the authors like when I think probably for the most part when you're writing a book you're thinking of like the written words so you're not really thinking about like how this translate to an audiobook and you might not even think about the fact that your books might be made into an audiobook cuz like not all of them are. Right. Um so I could see I just think like whoever made the audiobook might need the, to have thought of a way to introduce this like kind of like paratext.
1: Mm-hmm. I have a smells like YA moment. Okay. <laughs> he smelled of salt and rain with just a hint of something smooth beneath, the scent of his skin, sweet like cream. It made her hard for her to think. It's on page 156 <laughs> but it's raining in the scene so the rain actually makes some fucking sense
0: yeah and I'm guessing the saltiness is like sweaty which I'm also like ew <laughs> <laughs> cream cream
1: I don't know I just I'm enjoying picking these out I think they're silly yeah at least it was
0: raining in this one so. yes it
1: makes sense it was raining it's not just like Jihoon's rain hair product yeah also I appreciate the glossary
0: thanks was there a glossary at the end? Yeah,
1: a very, very thorough glossary. It tells you all about different, re- like, the different, um like, dishes that are mentioned, food dishes, um regions of Seoul. Uh, like, it talks about how Namsan Tower is a popular date place. Like, it gives, like, actual, really helpful information in the glossary.
0: I'll have to go back and look at it. I think I finished the book on audio, so I don't remember if that is there or not. Cause I remember a few authors note like a few things at the end, but not a lot. So maybe
1: it gives the Korean characters for things. Um it oh. talks it like gives talks says what soju is. Like if you didn't know what soju was, it's like literally everywhere. Rice, mm-hmm. alcohol. And then Seon Seon Bay. It's got Aoma. Halmeoni means grandmother, but it's also like a term of respect for an older woman. hmm And so I just I love I'm also a little bit like not a little bit really into it with the k-drama situation right now so I'm enjoying learning
0: Korean recommend if you like um I can't think of any direct books that I think would make good parallels but I think it I think you would like this book if you enjoy strong female characters and non-western mythology I really enjoyed that aspect of the book just because it's something we haven't read a lot of um I'm, like, very hesitant to just be, like, here, read these other books by other Asian authors that are Asian-inspired. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I didn't want to do that either. Especially because I feel like they were, like, the it's not similar to, like, the other ones we read. So no, like, it's not similar to Girls of Paper and Fire at all. Or Spin the Dawn or, like, any of those. So it's just, like, very different than what I, like, I didn't come in with any expectations. So, mm-hmm. like, but I think if you like urban fantasy and if you like mythology just in general because i think if you like mythology i think we mostly think of like greek and roman mythology but it's cool to like expand your knowledge of different kinds of mythology so then i think you would like like people would enjoy this
1: yeah totally i i kind of was going my recommendations come along the like urban fantasy with cool magical systems vein Mm -hmm. like if you like brooklyn brujas or if you like nightmare verse i think you'd like this story before we end it's time for real talk. Did reading this book make your perspective change in any way or did it make you interrogate a concept or system or a trend or something another that you hadn't before?
0: On page 94 how, how Mione says of the g- gummy hoe um, when you're constantly treated as a pariah and labeled bad you might begin living up to that expectation and while this doesn't like very far off from I think things I have thought of in the past or things I've read in the past. I really just appreciated that um, sentiment where, you know, uh, and I think we see this with Miyoung, where she thinks she has to do specific things in a specific way because that's what her mom taught her because her mom has these feelings about Gumiho because of the way she was treated. Um, so I really just appreciated this, that like sometimes people's expectations of you can kind of inform the way you behave and, in specific situations or just in your life in general. And I think that's probably especially true when those things are coming from your parents um, because Mi young is like, she's still a kid. Um, so I just really appreciated this, um, how Mioni is very wise.
1: Yeah, what you're describing is reminding me of stereotype threat, right? Mm-hmm. Where you say you're gonna, that girls aren't bad at STEM and then they, you, you know, I internalize that for. Uh, whatever reason because my authority figures have been saying this and then I do worse on science tests or whatever Mm -hmm. it's for an example what about you I have two things to bring to the section the first I want to talk about is apologies so there's a scene on page 332 that is kind of making me consider that there are I'm sure not probably like there most definitely are cultural differences in the way we apologize and the way like forgiveness works um, and I'm not sure if that's what's going on in this scene, but at the same time, Ji Hoon apologizes. It seems like out of his own feelings because quote I'll never feel right about it if he doesn't get to apologize. And then Mi Young, in the same exchange, is rapidly accepts the apology in the hopes that like she'll get left alone. So it's was just like being attentive to this dynamic about like why we're apologizing and who is it for, I guess. So like I don't I don't feel like confident enough to say that like this apology scene like meh, I don't know what's going on here but it's like at the same time there is something to consider you know like why we're apologizing and who mm-hmm. who like it's benefiting and like who like are you trying to rush to repair to fix your own feelings uh that you don't mm-hmm. want to like feel that because they're quote-unquote negative or are we like doing it because we're actually seeking repair and accountability yeah The other thing I have is, oh my gosh, this was getting to me throughout the entire book. Um, Parents unnecessarily hiding things from their kids who are like quasi, like young adults, you know, preteens or older under the guise of quote unquote protecting them. And I was just like, can y'all just rethink that, please? All of you characters, parent characters out there, infantilizing isn't cool. And I just think that there's like a way to explain yourselves
0: that is age appropriate. You know? I think parents maybe worry about like so many things affecting their kids like mentally. And then I don't know. This is why I won't have kids. I don't ever have to figure this out. So
1: neither of us are parents. Lainey's yeah. very well adjusted.
0: Yeah. Well I I did read all the books, so <laughs> cat parenting. Cat parenting one on one. Read the books. <laughs> thanks for listening to the library coven we'll be back in two weeks for a discussion of nocturna by maya mutain as always we'd love to be in conversation with you magical folks let us know what you think of the episode anything we missed or just say hi by dropping a line in the comments or by reaching out to us on twitter or instagram at the library coven you can post or tweet about the show using the hashtag critically reading and the library coven and you can contact us via email at the at gmail.com
1: you can subscribe to the Library Coven on the podcast app of your choice, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, because for some reason that platform's ratings matter. And um, also if you could spread the word to some other rad people out there who you think would enjoy it. If you're able to support our labor financially, you can make a one-time donation to us on Coffee. You can support us monthly on Patreon in exchange for bonus apps, um, access to the Discord, minisodes, and more things. And now you can support the show by shopping at our bookshop.org affiliate page. Until next time, stay magical. Kelly is recording on Cheyenne, Ute, and Arapaho land. Jesse is recording on Peoria, Kaskakia, Peankashaw, Weah, Miami, Mascotan, Odawa, Sac, Meskwaki, Kickapoo, Potawatomi, Ojibwe, and Chickasaw Land.